guys, can you believe it? I am back recording. I'm so excited to be back. I can't even tell you. And I apologize so much for being absent for the last few months and for not really keeping you updated. Honestly, there's been a million reasons why. Uh, the main reason being, so at the end of April, I, so in my apartment where I live, it's actually a house that's divided between the house and then I have an apartment on like the ground floor slash basement and my landlord and his family friends live upstairs and he's been doing renovations which he didn't know they were going to last this long I don't think anybody knew um but it's been going on since the end of April it is now we're what almost two weeks into August and they've only just finished so every single day like Sunday to Sunday every single week it's been a million guys here in the backyard in and out of my apartment because I have uh, access to the boiler room electrics and different things like that and then upstairs was like at one point I thought the house was falling down around me it was so loud there was constant stuff going on so I had between the noise and people in and out of my apartment I just literally had no time at all to record anything uh so when I was last speaking to you I was just getting ready to go to Ireland for a couple of weeks and did that I can't say it was a great time I can't say it was a bad time there was a lot going on we had a lot going on with uh family members friends and things like that health things um then I had my own issue when I went to Ireland so I was there for like two three days and went horse riding um had a fall pretty bad fall uh I don't know how but after I fell off the horse I got on the horse again and went off for like two hours on this trail ride even though I was in so much pain my sister's boyfriend was with us and he is a doctor so he was able to check me over and everything before I got back on the horse but I was so determined because I was like if I don't get on this horse right now again I'm never ever 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 gonna get on a horse I don't want this to end up being a fear of mine I hadn't been on a horse since I was a kid but my sister works with horses so I was like I need to do this and I got back on and like I think even my sister I think was really surprised at me uh so I was determined and then afterwards we went and got lunch all I wanted was alcohol <laughs> and I realized after a while I went to the bathroom and I could not like move to sit down like it was agony and after that the pain got steadily worse uh I ended up breaking down crying like I was in so much pain so I went to the ER I was seen uh pretty much straight away which in Ireland if you're familiar uh, you can be literally just in the waiting room for about 10 hours or more because it's not the greatest system that we have it's not expensive but it's definitely um, it's definitely not the best in terms of uh, wait times so I got seen right away because I had a, a gash on my head and I had some neck pain and they were obviously worried that I had a spinal injury so uh yeah so went in did a bunch of tests I was there all night uh had MRIs and 
x-rays and all of that done I had like I was in so much pain everywhere I was in a neck brace because obviously they didn't want me to move uh yeah it was it would have been scary only for the fact that I think um the drugs that they gave me just really calmed me and relaxed me so much and uh I got out I ended up getting out at like I think it was 2 a.m or something and they told me I was fine I was just going to be you know bruised and probably in pain for the next two days so I ended up being in pain so this happened in the middle of May the pain did not stop until about I would say three or four weeks ago and my sister like who I said has worked with horses basically since she was a kid she has had numerous falls and injuries and she even said I've never been in pain this much for this long after a fall so um I will get back to that later so I was basically just putting up with the pain for a while I was off of work as well um on sick leave because of it and I also when I was in Ireland I had a lot of like digestive issues I tend to this tends to happen to me anyway in general because I think having lived in uh America for so long like I've lived here for 11 years now you know you get used to the food here like it's the food here is so processed in this country and then when I go back to Ireland whenever I go back to Ireland I tend to like it takes me a little bit to, for my body to adjust to the food again because it's very different um it's a lot more like fresher natural in Ireland I think particularly like dairy products and things like that I always find a big difference with and uh so I was having a lot but this was kind of on a whole other level like I just did not I enjoyed the trip but like I was just in so much pain and I was so uncomfortable for the whole time I was there that it just was like it it just I couldn't fully enjoy it as much as I wanted to and then when I got back like normally once I get back here you know my digestion is normal again whatever but I was just every time I ate something I was crazy blo- like the bloating did not stop I was constantly bloated and just really uncomfortable and in pain so um yeah so that's another thing that was happening with me so I went back to work for one day got called for jury duty got picked for jury duty and they told us the case was going to be for over a month so pretty much the whole of July I was in jury duty I actually really enjoyed that process I know people always say they want to get out of jury duty and that's always the big thing like oh no I got called for jury duty whatever I actually really enjoyed it I was in with a great um, bunch of jurors I was actually the only woman juror which was a really interesting it was a, a medical malpractice case uh, is very 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 interesting I actually really loved um being a part of it it ended up in the end after the whole month that we didn't have to make the decision amongst ourselves they actually ended up settling the case and they said they settled it the juror the judge told us they settled it because the lawyers could not get a read on us as jury they said like they couldn't read our body language they couldn't decide which way it was going to go and therefore the uh, insurance guy who had been there the whole time decided to settle the case so that was really interesting and we got to talk to the lawyers afterwards we got to talk to the the doctor and the um the plaintiffs who were involved it was a really really interesting process I actually really enjoyed it and I kind of miss it now um I'm not gonna lie it was it was a really 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 interesting time um so towards the end of my jury duty probably in the last week I was there I started uh feeling really ill again like my stomach um 
I won't get into too much gory details, but I basically had some bleeding where one should not be bleeding. So uh went to it was a Friday evening, went to a city MD and the doctor there like literally said right away to me you need to go to the emergency room right now and she told me that she suspected it may be uh ulcerative colitis and I already knew that term because actually my dad had ulcerative colitis uh he was diagnosed in his 20s my mom told me and it is uh a hereditary illness that you get so and then I also found out that his sister has it also um so that's really interesting I always find that kind of fascinating that you can inherit like things like that um my mom likes to joke with me that I get all the bad uh things about me from my dad's side of the family which is probably a typical mom thing to say uh so went to the emergency room and I have to say they were amazing like I was never treated with such good care than I was in this hospital that I went to and I ended up having to be admitted and I stayed there until so this is Friday evening I think I got out on Sunday evening and yeah so I was doing like a million tests cat scans everything and basically I saw a bunch of different doctors they all said that they suspected that it was colitis I also had an inflamed appendix which was kind of scary because um I've known a lot of people that have had like burst appendix and things like that and I know it's really dangerous as well as really painful um but they said that uh, colitis can actually cause an inflamed appendix so they didn't think that it would have to be removed or anything um they just kept monitoring it so basically the last it's been what three weeks now I've just kind of been in a lot of pain like every time I've been eating it's just like so it's my left and my right side so basically every time I eat anything it's just like burning it kind of feels like if someone lit a match inside of your colon that's what it feels like it's like a constant burning pain um so last week I had the joy of having my first colonoscopy I don't know if you guys have ever had to do that but oh my days so the colonoscopy itself is fine you're completely stated didn't even know what was happening it was all good and but the beforehand oh my god it was awful so I'd, I'd had to be on a low fiber diet basically since I was in hospital and then gradually throughout the week there were certain days like okay so today you're gonna cut out like nuts and grains and then tomorrow you can't have any vegetables so it was kind of like that and then the last day I had to have uh, to be on a clear liquid diet and then the dreaded prep oh my god guys if you've had to deal with this it's like uh two bottles of this uh solution that they give you to drink which is essentially a laxative so I had to start the first one at 5 p.m and then after you drink that, which it's basically because you have to add a certain amount of water to it, it's about 32 ounces. And then once you have that finished, you have to drink it within an hour, then you have to drink 32 ounces of water right after that. So it's a lot of liquids to consume. Now, I got halfway through the solution. I couldn't do it. I was gagging, almost threw up so many times. I was crying at one point. It was horrendous like I can't even explain to you how bad it was and I had been told it was going to be bad I'd seen TikTok videos of people trying to do it and saying it was awful my doctor even told me it was awful I got loads of tips on like the best ways to like try and drink it have it cold have it with ice sip it through a straw have a lemon to suck on in between um 
I couldn't do it. Uh, so yeah, so it, it was just awful. And then I had to take the second solution at 3 a.m. It was just, it was a terrible night. It was so bad. I didn't get to any sleep. It was awful. But then the colonoscopy itself was fine. Um, but I will say it's really, really important. I don't have my results back yet. Um, I should hopefully have those any day now. I'm pretty sure it's going to be colitis, but you know, I've kind of accepted the fact now and that's fine. But I will say colonoscopy, if you need to do it, just do it. It's really important. Yeah, the prep is awful, but the actual procedure itself, I would say there's no need to have any like stress about it because you don't even know what's happening. You're completely sedated. You don't know what's going on and you wake up and they give you cook I got cookies pretzels got water it was literally the, the nicest food I'd ever had in my whole life um I was in a bit of pain for a few days afterwards like a lot of cramping which was to be expected a little bit of bleeding but um it's been just over a week now and I would say the last maybe day or so I'm kind of feel like I'm settling in a little bit again um so yeah, so I, I didn't mean to go on quite such a rant about that, but that's just basically what's been happening. Also, what I meant to say, and I said I was going to go back to earlier, while I was getting the testing done, while I was in the hospital, they did um, a CT scan, obviously, of my abdominal area. And they found that I had a fractured rib and also, I never remember what they're called, but you know, on the side of your spine, you have these little teeny little bones that come out. Four of those were also fractured. And that's obviously from my horse riding fall, but they somehow missed that when I was in the ER in Ireland originally. So that's why I was in so much pain for like almost three months because I was walking around with fractured bones, not having any idea, just going about my life, just in pain. Um, barely able to walk. I couldn't even sit down sometimes. Standing was hard. It was awful. So yeah, so I would say to that, if you have anything like that happen to you or anything with your body where you feel like something isn't right, oh my God, just get it checked. Feel free to second guess the doctor. They're only human. Like ask them questions. Go get a second opinion if you need to. Like just your health is so important and if you you know your body like nobody yeah the doctors know like how the body works they know how to fix it and what how to diagnose something and everything but like you're the one that knows how your body feels you know how you feel day to day so if something doesn't feel right if you're in pain or you're feeling off like me with your digestions you feel like something's wrong it probably is because it's wrong so get it checked out and yeah that that would be my major advice to you um, so I have had some good things happen. It's not all been bad. Uh, so uh, went to this is this is the main good thing that happened to me. Um, two weeks as it's two weeks ago tomorrow, I guess, which I can't believe. Um, I feel like I've been a days since, but I went to the Renaissance tour, guys. Oh my goodness! I went to the MetLife Stadium on the Saturday night with my friend Trisha, who is also a Beyonce fanatic, like I am. Now I've seen Beyonce eight times before. I have followed that girl since early Destiny's Child days. Like I am an obsessive fan, member of the Beehive. Love her, love her, love her. I've loved every tour she's done. She's always amazing. But this is like a whole other level like I can't even explain it like I feel like I've been I, I like I've been thinking about it but I can't even process it it's just 
it's an experience it's like it was like otherworldly like I felt like I was out of my body like it was just amazing like she is always amazing she sings amazing she performs amazing um but just the show itself like the graphics the stage set up the dancers oh my goodness the dancers are so good it was just phenomenal like I can't even explain how amazing it was and even just her herself like I feel like we got more of her personality like her actual Beyonce real personality rather than you know she's always that like Sasha Fierce like stage presence and like that but her crowd interactions it just felt more like oh this is just me and I'm just having fun and this is who I am like it was just so good and um if you get a chance to go like there's still I know some shows left I think it's running till September like please go spend the money if you gotta spend the money spend the money like I was in the nosebleeds in MetLife now I will say MetLife I don't think there's any bad seats in MetLife but nosebleed seats it still was phenomenal it was amazing just go if you can go spend the money the money will always come back later but the renaissance tour will not so just do it honestly it's phenomenal um and even more better exciting news i was uh reached out to um by this lovely lady called clara who has a podcast called peace over pieces and i'm gonna link that in the bio so you guys can check out her instagram um she has a book also that she's written and she has a podcast so she reached out to see if she could interview me for the podcast which was so exciting and the episode went live a couple weeks ago I really really like how it turned out and it's so exciting like if you follow this podcast if you know me personally if you follow my Instagram you know like my main goal in life in the last few years has been to just spread awareness spread my story and to have someone like this reach out to me and um allow me the space to tell my story I just like I'm not gonna lie I shed a tear when the podcast episode was released like it was just amazing and that's all I've ever wanted to do and please check out the episode if you can and check out her um her Instagram her other work she's she's a really great girl and um there's some other amazing stories on her podcast episodes as well so I definitely recommend checking that out and please give me feedback I love to hear feedback if you have listened to the episode um please tell me and yeah so let's get on with today's episode So today's episode is about Miss Audrina Patridge. You may know her from The Hills. Uh, if you're anything like me, I was a absolute fanatical fan of The Hills. I still watch it every now and again. It's just one of those shows, if you grow up in a certain era, it's like, it was phenomenal. It was one of those like pop culture phenomenons and uh Audrina was always a very popular character she was kind of known for her um poor choices I would say in men and she's always very sweet uh she seemed uh a little naive maybe sometimes maybe a little bit too trusting in people um but she was always quite likable 
Um, so I'm basing this book most this uh, episode mostly on her book which came out in 2022 I've linked that in the bio and uh, she also did a really great episode uh, podcast episode on call her daddy that I think you should check out for just some a little bit more info as well I have also linked that in the bio so let's get into it Audrina says, if you see me on television, in the tabloids or on social media, you might think I've got it all figured out. It's such a lesson to never judge a book by its cover or a celebrity by a tabloid picture. You never really know what's going on with someone. Behind the practice smile and the upbeat interview answers lies a depth of sadness few people know about. For several years, I hid the challenges I faced and now the carefully crafted facade is beginning to crack. I'm ready to share my story for better or worse. In trying to be strong and brave for my daughter, Kira, I learned to be strong and brave for myself too. I've been forced to know who I am and stand strong. I am just now stepping into my power as a woman, a mother and an entrepreneur. Now, I don't want to be silent anymore. I want to talk about the struggles, the missteps, the mistakes, including the regret of letting myself stay in a relationship that I knew was damaging for far too long. I share my story in the hopes that it might help someone else struggling, whether it's in a toxic situation, abusive relationship or any challenge that pushes you to know who you are and stand up for it. It's taken me a long time to peel away the layers of psychological and emotional manipulation and remember who I really am. It was the hardest fight of my life to get my power back. So Audrina grew up in Yorba Linda, a very laid back community. 20 minutes from the beach. Her mom is a stay-at-home mom and her dad was an engineer for their family business, making mechanical parts for big companies. She has three younger siblings, Casey, Samantha and Mark. Audrina loved growing up in such a quiet, tight-knit community. They went to church most Sundays as a family and it was here that she explored her love of performing by joining the church's theatre group. She knew it was what she wanted to do with her life, so she started taking acting classes in high school. She was friendly with everyone and didn't get caught up in the drama or gossip. When they got their driver's licenses, her friends and her would go to shows whatever chance they got. Audrina had always loved music and got into the punk scene during high school. She also worked at a small recording studio in Newport Beach during her senior year, an experience which would serve her well when she got to LA. After high school, she started taking classes at classes at Orange County Community College at night and in the daytime would go to LA for auditions. She landed roles in a few music videos which gave her great experience and she got paid 100 bucks each piece. She ended up having to decide to stick with school or move to LA to pursue modeling and acting full-time. So she took a leap of faith and went to LA. She found an apartment where she happened to be in an elevator with her dad with two girls who were looking for a roommate. They were really nice girls, but their relationship turned sour once Audrina got her role in the hills. She moved to a one bedroom, which became available in the building. She would lie by the pool, learning her lines for auditions. This is where she met MTV producer Adam DeVillo, who was there to scout the complex for Lauren and Heidi as they were moving from San Francisco, where they, where they had taken one semester of classes. Lauren was getting a spin-off from her show Laguna Beach that was still in development. She had never seen the show, but she knew who Lauren was from magazines and interviews. She thought DeVillo was just another cheesy producer trying to hit on her, but when he talked about the shows he worked on, she thought it could be legit. Just a few days later, she was in the MTV offices to meet the rest of the showrunners and producers. They thought she would be a great fit with the other girls. She thought it would be good practice for her to get comfortable in front of the camera. Within a week or two, she had signed the papers and they started filming within two to three weeks. 
The show followed the professional and personal lives of four young women, Lauren, Heidi, Whitney and Audrina, living in LA. Lauren was very much the star of the show, which never bothered Audrina. The Hills premiered to a fan base eager to find out what Lauren was up to after Laguna Beach. The show became a reality TV and pop culture phenomenon that landed them on the cover of Rolling Stone, among many others, and in the zeitgeist for most of her 20s. It drew some of MTV's highest ever ratings. Like, when I tell you this show was a massive, worldwide massive hit. In the very beginning, Lauren didn't seem very open to getting to know them. She was a little quiet and withdrawn. But now with years of reality to be under her belt, Audrina can understand why she was so apprehensive to let people in right away. You never know who is using you or will turn on you to get their 15 minutes. Heidi was the total opposite and her and Audrina began hanging out even outside of filming. And that was the beginning. Starting in 2006, she spent five years discovering herself, surviving bad dates, gaining and losing friendships and exploring new ambitions, all while filming The Hills. When she was out running errands or with friends, fans started coming up to her in stores and in restaurants to say hello. She couldn't wrap her head around it. It was so surreal. She would tell them, just learn from my mistakes. They were invited to lots of award shows, including the 2007 MTV Video Music Awards, where her and Lauren and Whitney were due to present an award to Justin Timberlake. Lauren and Whitney were mega fans and were so excited, but Justin wouldn't accept the award from them and instead got Chris Brown to take the award from them, who then presented it to Justin. Justin then said in his speech, MTV, play more damn videos. We don't want to see The Sims or reality television. I think that meant that was meant to be The Simpsons that I wrote there. It was a personal attack on the girls who were devastated and humiliated. Fortunately, not everyone was rude and at the same show, they met up upcoming artist Rihanna, who was her favourite person she ever met in an award show. Another year at the Teen Choice Awards, the Hills won and Audrina and Lauren had to accept it. They were in shock. She eventually got used to presenting at shows and learned how to set the nerves aside and jump into performance mode. By the end of the third season, The Hills was the highest rated cable show of 2008. Audrina and the cast would party with celebrities. She once got flown to Vegas on a private jet by a prince who wanted a group of celebs at his birthday. At a club after the party, she met Leonardo DiCaprio, who gave her his number, but they could never make time to hang out. Her biggest thrill was being on the cover of Rolling Stone with Heidi, Lauren and Whitney. It was like a dream, but also had its drawbacks as the paparazzi used to follow them everywhere. They would have no concern for safety and she got into many dangerous situations while trying to drive. A big topic of discussion regarding the hills has always been whether it is real or fake. The truth, says Audrina, is somewhere in between. A lot of what they did like going to events and bars and dinners was real, but sometimes the intimate conversations and simmering tensions of blowouts were instigated by production. Nothing was ever scripted. It was always their own words. But for example, running into the person you were fighting with at a coffee shop randomly was not so random. So the fictionalizing came for the creation of situations that would never naturally occur. It was more about turning up the intensity than faking the emotions. They would film almost year round without much time off. So... <clears throat> excuse me this is always something I've found fascinating that people think that like reality shows that they watch are 100% real like obviously and now I'm a big reality show fan and I remember The Hills was always accused of being fake and like obviously the scenarios and all of that like them running into each other as Audrina says and all that to me that was so obviously fake like oh as if they're all going to just happen to be in the same restaurant with the person that they've just had a falling out with or whatever so like it's the same with every single reality show like Housewives 
all of that stuff like they're set up by production but it doesn't mean that what they're saying is scripted it just means they're kind of being forced to talk about things um so that's just something I've always found kind of interesting why people think like if you're watching the Kardashians and you think that that's real now I mention the Kardashians specifically because I'm not a Kardashians fan um like it's not it's come on that's been filmed a couple of times and etc etc anyways I won't get into a rant about reality tv because I literally could be here for hours talking about it it is my 100% guilty pleasure Audrina says she made a lot of genuine friendships on the show, but one that didn't last long was her relationship with Lauren. There was a lot of turmoil between them that they couldn't talk about on camera at the time. They had the same agent and publicist, and Audrina would find out that a lot of job opportunities meant for her were instead being given to Lauren. She understood this wasn't necessarily Lauren's fault, but it wasn't great for their friendship either. She also found her to be controlling of her friends, saying that if you didn't do and say what she did, then you would be on the outs. Lauren also acted like she hated Justin in front of the cameras, but off camera, it was a different story. When Justin and Audrina were broken up, Lauren ran into him in Vegas, and according to a good friend of Audrina's, they hooked up. Audrina felt so betrayed, the whole situation unfolded on the show, but neither Lauren nor Justin would answer her calls or texts unless the camera was rolling. When her and Lauren finally had a conversation on camera, she felt Lauren turned it around to make her look delusional. Shortly after that, Lauren left the show and they haven't spoken since. But if she runs into her somewhere, she says hi. Okay, so if you have never watched this show, which I feel like... Guys, why have you not? If you don't know who Justin is, Justin was basically Audrina's on-off. Like, they were never really boyfriend and girlfriend, but like... They were constantly seeing each other and not seeing each other. It was a whole drama. But that was basically Audrina's main storyline for the whole of The Hills. So this story about Justin and Lauren, if you've watched The Hills, like, you can't imagine this is true. I personally don't think this is true at all. I feel like, again, when it comes to guys, and I don't want to blame Audrina for anything, um, especially what you're about to hear she goes through, but I feel like she's always been that girl that will kind of believe the guy above her girlfriends or like that's kind of always the vibe to me she gave off like she was always a little bit naive about those kind of things and I I really honestly don't think Lauren would have gone near Justin so that's just a little bit of uh the hills goss for you and that's my opinion on that story so the one question Audrina gets asked constantly about is her relationship with Justin Bobby. Their tumultuous relationship was the source of so much speculation and gossip for more than a decade. They met before the hills and had an instant connection. They became close quickly. She'd never met anyone like him and they never seemed to get bored of one another. To this day, she's never had the same spark with anyone else. Justin never cared what people thought of him, which allowed him to do his own thing, but also meant he wasn't in tune with what Audrina needed from him. When she would ask him if they were together officially, he would be vague and dismissive. He would say, let's just see what happens. Why do we need a label? When he started appearing on the show, everything changed. Once his episodes aired, he began seeing what other people were saying about him and he seemed really annoyed about that. She felt like he was pulling back from her a little bit. It was clear from the outset that Lauren wasn't his biggest fan, a result of the way she saw him treat her. His worst behavior always seemed to happen in front of Lauren. He would sometimes disappear for days without a word. 
Audrina met the actor Chris Pine when she was at an awards ceremony for a movie she was starring in called Sorority Row. They exchanged numbers and after a while started dating. He didn't like going out and being followed by the paparazzi, but Audrina loved to go out and was still filming the hills, so their lifestyles were completely different. But they tried, until she was spotted leaving his house and it started to freak him out. She knew after a couple of months she couldn't date him. Justin had seen pictures of her and Chris and started getting upset, but he was always disappearing on her, and one time she even saw him kissing another girl while they were filming for the show. He was playing games and Audrina would play them back. At one point in 2008, she'd had enough of him disappearing and so they were in another off stage. At this time, she met a BMX biker called Corey Bohan through a mutual friend and they hung out a few times casually. They were perhaps one night hanging out on a rooftop, even though all his friends were there, it made it look more romantic than it was. The next day, Justin called her upset that she was looking cosy with another guy. He expected her to sit around and wait for him to call while he was out meeting other girls. She finally called him out on his double standards. Audrina had started to put on a persona while filming for the hills to try and keep her personal life to herself to some degree and protect herself from editing decisions that didn't reflect her. At a certain point, she stopped trusting the producers. She knew it was their job to create dramatic television, but some of the editing made her very uncomfortable. They would use voiceovers to put a different spin on a storyline or have another person weigh in on it. They would show someone five giving a nasty look from a totally different moment that had nothing to do with the conversation that was playing out. She learned to develop a thick skin when hearing negativity from tabloids or bloggers, but it didn't protect her from when someone she thought she was close to on the cast spoke badly about her. She had to learn they were her TV friends and not her real friends. It was really hurtful even when she knew they were just amping it up for the cameras. It was better to just play the part instead of trying to fight the inevitable. In a lot of ways, the toughening up she had to do helped her deal with the spotlight and attention she was receiving from bloggers like Perez Hilton, who would call her all sorts of names, body shame her and make fun of everything about her. It was overwhelming. Honestly, if again, if you were like of the age where you were paying attention to pop culture around the time that Perez Hilton was um, constantly uh, in the media with his blog, like he was so disgusting the things that he would say about people and you know he had this famous thing of like uh he would have this white um line that he would draw over the pictures um just to make more fun of them like he would point out flaws in their bodies like the nickname he gave to Audrina was ceiling eyes um you which you'll famously know again if you if you knew about his blogs like he was just so gross like to this day I can't stand the man I know he's apologized for it but I don't believe him I just think he's a disgusting human being I can't stand him so I can't imagine like being this young and dealing with like not only seeing yourself on tv and being edited in a way that you're like that's not how that conversation went or that's not how that happened and then being frustrated with that um, getting shit for it on blogs from viewers and other people in the media tabloids and then like having some gross human like Perez Hilton coming and just like ripping your whole body apart like it's just so gross like I can't I feel so bad for any famous women who had to um, grow up in that time um, in the spotlight like you know the Paris Hilton's Nicole Richie's um Lindsay Lohan, like all those people, they were just vilified. It's so gross. So when Audrina had first met Corey in 2006, she found him a welcoming distraction from all the drama with Justin. 
Her friend Angela took her to a party at his house. He had a girlfriend at the time, but she could detect his charm and magnetism. Thought he was cute, but didn't feel anything more than that. Angela started inviting her to hang out with him more often. At some point, maybe a year or two later, he reached out to her on MySpace to see if they could hang out, and she assumed he had broken up with his girlfriend. She still didn't read much into it, as it was always a group hangout. Lauren and her ended up throwing a Halloween party, and when she invited Corey to come, she found she had butterflies. The party was being filmed for the show and production must have sent something because they set up for her to have a date with Corey on the show. Corey agreed. He was nervous but attentive and asked her lots of questions. She felt different with him compared to Justin and the other guys. He was a gentleman. She felt taken care of and secure. They had their first kiss that night off camera. It was passionate and he looked at her after like he was really seeing her. They went on a few more dates after that, but she knew the producers were trying to create drama because they knew that Justin was jealous. She didn't want Corey to be a pawn. Corey was fun and lighthearted and never played games. They were goofballs together. They ran into Justin together and of course he acted immaturely, antagonizing Corey by winking at Audrina. He then texted her saying, just know that you're mine first and always. Corey saw the text which caused a huge fight between them. She and Corey stayed in touch but weren't too serious. They tried to see each other when he was in town which wasn't that frequent. He was dating other girls which she was fine with as she was still seeing Justin and dating other guys. She told him this as it didn't feel fair to lead him on. He was cool with it. He asked her a lot of questions about herself and showed an interest in her life. He always wanted to know who she'd been with and what she'd been doing on the weekends. And again, like in the beginning of the relationship, you know, when they're pursuing you, it's all perfect and they're always the perfect guy. And then the little red flags, such as her saying here that he always wanted to know who she'd been with, she saw that as, oh, he's so interested in my life. But as we know, that's really a red flag because he's just trying to find out information about you. He wants to know where you've been, who you've been with. And this is all major red flags for what is to come. She started dating the musician Ryan Cabrera toward the end of filming The Hills. They had been close friends for years. He was so much fun and high energy. They would just laugh and dance with their friends all night. He had gotten to know her siblings and is still friends with her brother to this day. She says he is the happiest person and a joy to be around. Over time, they felt sparks. He was always planning romantic and fun activities for them, but she sometimes found his lifestyle of always wanting to do everything a lot. Ryan even lived with her for a few months after he sold his house. The emotional intensity was compounded by spending almost every second together. Ryan was happy to be on camera. He wasn't afraid to show his feelings for her, but she felt a little stifled. The dynamics of their relationship always changed when she brought someone on the show. Compared to Justin, Ryan was emotionally available and there for her no matter what. He was always doing things to brighten her day and was so thoughtful and romantic. She wasn't used to this type of treatment and consistency. The flip side of that was space and independence. So part of me with this feels like if it had been Justin treating her like that, which is how she always wanted Justin to treat her, then she wouldn't have felt suffocated. But that just makes me think that she wasn't actually that into Justin or that into Ryan she seems like the kind of girl who kind of always has to have a guy with her and again I'm not trying to talk down about her um I'm just trying to point out you know what it kind of looks like and things that you're kind of picking up 
Um, so Ryan was a traveling musician. So she would often hear stories about him talking to other women. He was a great guy, but she couldn't shake the feeling that things weren't right. And she wasn't as head over heels as she wanted to be. Thankfully, when she said she just wanted to be friends, he took it well. And they are still friends to this day. A few days after they broke up, Corey texted to say he was in town. After six seasons, the hills came to an end. She brought Corey to the after party as her date, as they had just rekindled their relationship a couple of months before. They had such a fun night. She was so used to being filmed and on a schedule every day that being alone was a shock to her system. She had to relearn how to make her own choices. She had to make it official with Corey and was feeling really happy. She also started going back to Orange County more to see her family. She wasn't going out as much and overall things seemed so much calmer. Corey was so focused on his BMX racing career that he was living a healthy lifestyle and wasn't partying. He would cook for her, was sweet and charming, and never short on compliments and PDAs. Again, there's that good old love bombing. He always seemed proud to have her as his girlfriend. He pushed her out of her comfort zone. No one messed with her when he was around as he was six foot tall and very athletic. She felt protected. She was able to fully let her guard down. And again... That is all the abuser wants. They want you to fully let your guard down so that they can get in there and do all their things that they like to do. He would talk up her career to his family in Australia and her friends. She found it hard sometimes to tell if he was into her because of her personality or because she was famous. He liked the free things from brands and the free vacations they would bring his family and friends on. But then he started getting more annoyed when her work commitments took her time and attention away or even when she would be recognised when they were out together. Now she thinks that if she was paying attention, maybe she would have seen the warning signs. But again, hindsight and all of that. There is a fine line between being affectionate and proud and being possessive and jealous. And that there is a really, 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 really important point. He would pull her close when he sensed a guy looking at her, but she saw it as him not being afraid to show his feelings for her rather than a jealousy thing. She even liked it when he wanted to know who she was talking to or saying he didn't want her to hang out with certain guy friends. But then his insecurity took centre stage. And again, I will reiterate that if early days someone that you're seeing is acting this jealous and they want to know who you're talking to and they don't want you talking to certain guys just get out get out get out get out get out it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be abusive but it's not something that you want to ever have to deal with that is controlling as hell I know some girls say they like it when a guy is jealous of them I personally do not agree with that at all I think it is a major red flag I think that whatever guy you're seeing he should trust that yeah Maybe she's talking to a guy who is into her, but I know my girl and I know that she's not going to do anything about it. Um, So that is always just a bad, 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 bad trait for me. So Audrina started rehearsals for Dancing with the Stars in 2010, two months after her and Corey had rekindled. The training was grueling and she was determined to do well and excited too. She and Corey were spending less time together and she wasn't returning his messages as quickly as usual. Soon he accused her of sleeping with her dancing partner, Tony, a married father, but he wouldn't let it go. He would make rude comments about him every day. He accused her of making the dances too sexy and inappropriate. He would be in her face questioning and insinuating that Tony was getting handsy and their dancing had evolved into something sexual. He was constantly calling and texting to keep tabs on her. She was embarrassed. Tony and others on the show were starting to notice. She didn't want them getting the wrong impression of her and Corey. She even started questioning if she was actually wrong. Maybe she was being too touchy. 
He was getting in her head and she was beginning to question herself. He would act proud of her in front of the camera, but blow up on her at home. And there's our good friend, gaslighting. When she was eliminated in week six, Corey didn't apologize about his behavior and she didn't push it. They planned a trip to Hawaii and Australia to visit Corey's family. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry about that, guys. Uh, so they had a great time. He was totally different on vacation mode, but even during their best times together, she was holding her breath, waiting for something to set him off. She kept justifying his behavior, but he was slowly showing her who he really was, and she ignored it. The next step in Audrina's career was filming for her new reality show, Audrina. At first, her parents were hesitant about being on the show, but they agreed to do it for her and the idea that people would get to see the real Audrina. Her youngest sister, Samantha, hated reality TV and didn't want any part of it. But by the end of the season, she had also appeared in a few episodes. Her other sister, Casey, agreed to be part of it as she had already appeared on the hill several times, so knew what she was getting herself into. Her brother, Mark, was low-key and he just agreed to go along with it. She also had producing credits on the show and thought that she would therefore have a creative say in the storyline. They filmed for three months, which was very short compared to The Hills. She thought it would be more relaxing and fun filming in their family home with the people she loved, but it ended up ripping their family apart. She would tell them to be themselves, but it's hard to be yourself when the cameras are on and the producers are prodding you to say certain things. One of the showrunners was very manipulative and would purposefully create drama to juice up the ratings. She would often tell her mother one thing and her sister Casey another to pit them against each other. These two had already had a tense relationship. Her sister wanted her own storyline featuring her husband and kids and it didn't sit well with her that the focus was on their immediate family. Her mother was always very nervous filming so would end up having even less of a filter in a short fuse and therefore ended up being even harder on Casey. It only continued to get worse. Audrina had always tried to be the peacemaker. It was devastating and she hated to see it happen. She knew the show couldn't go on beyond the few months they'd already begun to film. The experience was so traumatizing for the family that Audrina vowed to never bring people that she truly loved onto a show again. Casey didn't talk to her mother for a year after they were done filming and was furious with Audrina for a long time because she was convinced that she had production edit the show to make her look bad. It wasn't all about Casey and their mother. One of the things their family fought about was Audrina's relationship with Corey. They had a lot of reservations about him and the way he treated her. He wasn't traveling for work at the time, so was home for filming a lot more. For the first time, they saw how he was treating her, the demands he made of her, the unrealistic expectations on her time and energy, and most of all, the way it affected Audrina. But they also saw him share his feelings for her honestly and genuinely, and be present and open with their family. They saw the bad, but also saw that it wasn't all bad. They were just as confused about him as Audrina was. Casey, her sister, knew more than the rest of them, as Audrina had confided her darkest secrets to her. It was hard for her to see how kind and loving he could be to her in front of the cameras or other people, and know behind closed doors it was different. Whenever Corey came to visit, he expected her to drop everything in her life to be with him. She was still trying hard to build a career, so she had to take meetings and be on shoots and auditions, and all his insecurities would come back when she was out of the house for more than an hour or two. She had a huge moment when she was at a photo shoot for Marie Claire magazine, but he was texting and calling her the whole day. His messages grew angrier, angrier and other people on the set started to notice how his obsessive and controlling behaviour was affecting her. She started to feel smothered by his desire for control, which started seeping into other parts of her life. 
He once asked her to delete her Facebook to prevent her from connecting with people he didn't know or approve of and to stop her from receiving messages. He was clearly trying to cut her off from people and isolate her so he was the only one she could turn to. He clearly also didn't trust her. Looking back at it now, Audrina feels embarrassed to remember how she acted. She was able to block out his behaviour from the Corey she wanted to be with. This is such an important statement. You will literally do anything you can to blame the behaviour on something else, to block it out. You just want to pick out the parts of the person that are good and just kind of block out the bits that are bad and just like brush it aside as like a one-time thing. To this day, Audrina is still trying to understand and work through this in therapy and I completely understand that even years later I'm questioning it myself and I understand I was in an abusive situation and all of that but you still kind of think to yourself sometimes and it's something that I've struggled with the most I think is like even though I know I wasn't putting up with it I was being abused I was being controlled I didn't really have a choice in the matter you still kind of blame yourself and you do still think like how did I put up with that and I find myself asking myself that question so many times and I think I'll always ask myself that even though I understand it but I think it's just something that's always kind of going to be in my head. Audrina started to get used to the ups and downs with him and the lows would not seem so low the next time. It became so normal that she would even worry when they weren't going through some turbulence. It became like a mind trick when she could no longer figure out what was right and what was wrong or how to articulate her own emotions. Everything she did was to keep him happy. She also found out he was cheating on her. They'd been dating for almost a year, were both asleep when she was woken up by his phone which kept ringing. She went to turn it off and make sure there wasn't some type of emergency. She saw a bunch of messages coming in all at once and from a girl she didn't know. She knew if she didn't look, she'd spend the next few days thinking about it. She saw multiple photos of a woman completely naked with her legs spread. She thought first that it could be a mistake. Maybe she meant to send it to somebody else. But there were plenty of messages from Corey to this woman. Things like, baby, come on, send another one. That's so hot. She was hot with anger, but also not surprised. She woke him up and showed him the messages. He told her she was crazy and what was she doing snooping through his phone? He called her a jealous bitch. She told him to get out of her house, but he refused. She slept in the guest room. She left early the next morning for work and didn't answer his messages for a few days. But he wouldn't leave her alone. He wouldn't give up on her. Finally, just to get him to stop, she answered him. He started sobbing, telling her it would never happen again and that he was so sorry. She said she needed some time alone to think about it. She told her family about it and it put a bad taste in their mouth, as you would expect. And here again, I think is a really important um, point is that, you know, when she's saying that he's calling her over and over and over again and eventually she just answers him just to get him to stop like this I can completely understand that and I've been there myself several times but if you're at a point where this is happening answering that phone call answering that text message it's only giving him the attention that he wants because when you're answering you might see it as like oh just to get him to stop I'm just going to answer but really that's showing him that oh I have control over her so if I just keep harassing 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 that it's eventually gonna get the attention it's kind of like you know when you have like a toddler and they throw a tantrum because they want something and eventually you give in just to give it to them that's kind of teaching them that like oh every time they're thinking every time now I have a tantrum I'm gonna get what I want and it's that same thing 
and that is also a form of abuse i'm not saying that the toddler is a form of abuse obviously um and also when it comes to things like um sleeping with somebody if it's your partner boyfriend husband even just someone you've hooked up with before a friend whatever it is if they're constantly pestering you pestering you pestering you to have sex and you're saying no that you don't want to and eventually you give in just to shut them up like that's also not okay and that's just something that I really want people to know and understand just because it's someone you love your partner husband whatever whoever it may be that is never 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 okay a trip to the international polo club in palm beach for the show came at the perfect time she went with her brother and her friend joey she was offered the chance to try the game out and met met nick rolden one of the players they immediately hit it off but it was nothing inappropriate they were pictured by the paps as nick gave their group a polo lesson including the two of them riding in the saddle together Corey, of course, saw this and was furious. He called her over and over that day and she found out later that he also called her mom, dad and sister. She felt sick to her stomach when she saw the amount of calls. She knew it was bad. She immediately didn't want to make him angrier. She knew the next morning she would have to face the music. Her hands were trembling when she picked up the phone. He immediately started screaming at her. Who were you with? Where did you go? How late did you stay out? She was so tired of being interrogated like a criminal. She told him she didn't want to engage in this conversation and he said she lacked compassion, that he'd been up all night worrying because he hadn't heard from her. It was a classic manipulation tactic to turn everything around on her. Audrina had always told herself she would never let a guy control her, but she could see in moments like this that not only was she letting it happen, but she wasn't even putting up much of a fight. And again, I would say, you're not letting it happen. It is happening to you. She didn't like how it felt, but she was still torn. She loved him enough that she didn't feel her path forward was clear. When she got back from Florida, he was sitting in front of her house, head in hands, radiating despair. It was sad and pathetic, but it also hit her with this deep ache. She could help him, heal him and love him when he needed it. And again, that is all very typical um, of an abuse victim. You think that you can be the one to change them. All you need to do is just love them. And it just never, it never works like that. She was able to gather enough strength to walk past him and not engage on that day. But he persisted, parking in front of her house for days, sleeping in his car, refusing to leave unless she would talk to him. Eventually she did. And it was the same conversation as always, where he would apologize and say he wouldn't do it again. But also if she could just be better for him, he wouldn't need to do these things. Somehow she held her ground. After that, Corey had to travel for work, which gave her some space. She kept in touch with Nick and he came out to visit her. She didn't want anything serious, but he invited her to Argentina to meet his family. So she realized she needed to stop sending him mixed, excuse me, mixed messages and backed off. Her and Corey's breakup was captured on the last episode of Audrina. It was one of the strangest things she'd ever filmed. He seemed surprised there were cameras there. He didn't want to have that conversation on TV. She told the camera that everything she had felt for him was dead, but that just wasn't true. She focused on work and spending time with family and friends and enjoying her life. But then, Corey's grandfather died and he reached out to her in early 2012 for some support. I'm going to say again, classic manipulation. Are you telling me that there's nobody in the entire world that that man could reach out to other than his ex-girlfriend? Totally manipulating her to try and get back in again. And as you will see, it worked. 
She was never close to his family and sometimes wished she had reached out to them to tell them about his behaviour. Once when they were visiting Australia to celebrate his birthday, they were at a hotel when they got into an argument. He left the party to sulk in his room. She was upset and felt the need to tell his family about what their relationship was really like. She told him that Corey was sending naked pictures and sexting other girls, but they made it into a joke, a boys will be boys thing, and it made her uncomfortable for making a big deal of it. It wasn't okay with her. When Corey reached out for help, she felt a lot of pressure to be there for him. Her compassion outweighed her desire for a clean break. She felt for him, so she let him come over to talk. It's clear now how manipulative this was, but when she looked into his big brown eyes, her heart broke to see him in pain. After they spoke, he left for Australia. When he got back, he reached out again and told her that his grandfather's death had changed him. It made him realise he didn't want to lose her and how important she was. She wasn't sure she was ready to get back together with him, but she did start taking his calls again. For the next several months, he was on his best behaviour. She, somewhere in her head, knew that he was using his grandfather's death as a way to get back with her, but his charm was so intoxicating to her. It was also a relief to not have the cameras around. They started seeing each other more and more. He made her feel so seen and cherished. He was generous with his attention and affection, but they were reluctant to give themselves a label. She ignored the nagging feeling just like she ignored the cheating. And of course, there was more cheating. She later found out when he was travelling, he wasn't being loyal. She started getting messages from girls online telling her their best friends were making out with Corey at various parties. She did confront him, but he would just say there were stupid girls who were lying for a chance to interact with her. He was once again turning it around on her, saying he was hurt she didn't believe him. But the thing was, she had never had to deal with fans reaching out about cheating when she was with Justin or Ryan, ever. In her heart, she felt these girls were telling the truth. They fell into a pattern of being apart and not speaking while he was travelling and then he would call and tell her his feelings for her and they would be back together again when he was in town. He would be on his best behaviour and make all kinds of promises. Sometimes he would sit on her doorstep for several days until she would finally give in or call so many times that she would end up answering to make it stop. Somehow she couldn't be angry and learn to adapt rather than to shut him out. The pattern continued where he would be great and then something would happen. He'd accuse her of talking to other guys and when she would deny it, he would yell and scream and punch doors. And again, this aggression, like punching doors and all of that stuff is a massive indicator that this person has the potential for being physically abusive. He would travel and she wouldn't hear from him for days so she would know it was because he was cheating. She would give him the benefit of the doubt but then see naked pictures of girls or texts. Every time she confronted him it would be her fault. She didn't love him enough or she didn't answer his calls when she was out to dinner or at an event. His cheating would be because of whatever she did to trigger him. She didn't tell anyone when they started talking again which says everything and because she didn't want the ups and downs anymore she did everything to make him happy. She put him first always, she answered every phone call, checked in with him, stayed away from other men, even talking to them at work events. Thinking about it now makes her sick to her stomach but she thought it was the only way they could move forward to be happy. And the thing is, it worked. They became more serious and were almost inseparable. She stopped working so much in order to spend more time with him and travelled with him to see his family and to support him during his competitions. She turned down amazing work opportunities. When she would take a meeting or audition for acting roles, he would only want her to go to certain auditions because of handsome co-stars or if there was a romantic scene. 
The relationship was destroying her career. She would turn down projects she knew would cause conflict between them. Her team would be so upset with her for turning these jobs down. So I don't even think I need to point out to you here how these are all steps in completely isolating her from not only people she loves, but from people she works with, potential job opportunities. Like her career probably would have been very different only for this. In 2014, her agent told her an NBC travel show called First Look was interested in her being their next host. It would give her the opportunity to get into hosting and be able to travel. She jumped at the chance and for the next two years, she was home for four days a month and traveled the rest. They were still in touch while she was traveling and she found it comforting to have someone to check in with her as she traveled alone. Corey was traveling for work for seven months of the year, so he understood everything she was going through, but she still wouldn't say they were back together. Whenever they were both in town, they would jump at the chance to see each other, but then he'd leave and she'd leave and they would go back to their separate lives. His controlling tendencies would still flare up and he would ask if she was partying or hooking up with the producers. When she had time off, she would catch up with friends and even met a few new guys. She had known the actor Chase Crawford for a few years and ran into him at a friend's house where sparks flew. They were inseparable while she was there for the next few days. She really liked him. They made a promise to get together soon. But when she got home, Corey was sitting outside and he remained there for the next three days. So this whole thing of him just like showing up and like sitting outside her doorstep is so creepy. Like that's stalking. So creepy. Guys, I apologize if there's a lot of pauses in between this. Um... Like I said, I've been really sick, so I'm having to drink a lot of water these days, and uh, that's what the pauses are, so I'm sorry about that. In 2015, toward the end of filming the second and final season, they broke up again over the same old things, but this time she really saw it as the end. She was in New York and filming a few episodes when she ran into Justin. She was happy and excited to see him. He had been living there, and they decided to catch up for drinks while she was around. He seemed really centred and happy. They ended up meeting a few times, but again, she went back to LA and they went their separate ways. Once filming had finished, Audrina was looking forward to time with family and relaxing, but pretty soon after she got back, Corey began contacting her again, just when she was feeling good. I swear it's like they just know, like they have this radar for when you're feeling great and they just suddenly, you hear it from them again. He wanted to pick up some things he had left at her house. It was clear he also wanted to talk. They were sitting in her kitchen when Casey called to say that their aunt Darla had died. She was only in her late 40s and in good health but had had a blood clot in her lungs and died quite suddenly. She was shocked and broke down sobbing so hard she couldn't breathe. Corey immediately took over and guided her into his car to get her to the hospital. He was comforting and supportive to all of her family as they gathered to say goodbye to Darla. She was in a very bad place for the next few weeks and Corey was there for her every step of the way. He wouldn't leave her side, made her breakfast, checked on her and asked how she was feeling. He had known Darla and mourned her passing also. The experience really brought them together. Seeing him with her mom and sisters crying outside the hospital changed the way she saw him. They got back together without even really discussing it. It felt natural and good. She needed him more than ever. In the next few months, there were some of the best times they ever had. He was on his best behaviour, taking great care of her and making a real effort to connect with her family. He wasn't travelling and their feet felt on solid ground. One evening they had plans to go on a broke cruise to hear this band they both loved. The night before she was feeling off. She'd been so exhausted lately and figured she was just run down but she also had an inkling that something might be up and bought a pregnancy test. She waited until the next day to take it and it turned out her instincts had been right. She was pregnant. 
When she showed Corey the test, he had the biggest smile on his face. He gave her a big hug that made her feel so content. He was so excited. She wanted to jump in, but also couldn't shake the worry about the issues in their relationship. After a day of disbelief, she felt ready to give motherhood everything. It turned out she was already eight weeks pregnant and their baby would be arriving in June. She was shocked as she hadn't had any symptoms. Everything from then on became about the baby. She loved watching her belly grow and feeling the little kicks. When they found out it was a girl, she was filled with joy. Her parents were over the moon about the news. Corey was the best he'd ever been and they had seen how he was, how he was after Darla's death, so they had hoped too that he was a reformed man. Her dad had a heart-to-heart with him, which she later learned about, to express how important it was that the issues of the past stay in the past and that taking care of his family should now be his top priority. He was very respectful and from what she heard, it was a productive conversation. Audrina's next thought was that they had to get married. That was how she had been raised. She would do whatever it took to make the relationship work for the sake of the baby. When she told him her thoughts on marriage, he said he couldn't agree more. He had actually bought a ring almost a year before in Australia with his sister's help and he had hung on to it even after they broke up. He said that even in those dark moments he thought they'd still end up together. In November 2015 he proposed. All of a sudden she was 29 and about to be a mother and wife. She still wasn't 100% sure she could trust their relationship so she wanted to take control in the area she could. He was going to be travelling a lot for work over the next few months and she knew she would rather be in Orange County near her family than alone in her house in LA. So she put her house in the market and started looking at homes in the OC. The move kept her busy and shortly before the holidays she loaded her car up with presents for her family and brought them to her grandmother's for their big Christmas celebration. She was carrying the gifts up the hallway when she started gushing blood. She was terrified and thought she lost the baby. In a panic, she drove herself home and Corey took her to the ER, to the ER where they learned their baby was fine. Audrina had just overexerted and the doctor mandated two weeks of bed rest. Being forced to sit still with all the emotions and worries running through her mind about the engagement and pregnancy was immensely difficult. It was a tough two weeks for her. In December, she announced her pregnancy to the world. She went to Australia for three weeks to spend time with Corey's family. They threw them an engagement dinner and it was a lovely celebration. When they came back, Corey was gone for most of her pregnancy. She was on her own to find a new house and prepare for the baby. She felt lonely and everything started crumbling again. He often wouldn't call her for days at a time. Then she found out he was at a casino all night with his single friends and random girls gambling until sunrise and sleeping through the next day. He wasn't even subtle about it as she found out by checking his friend's social media where everything was posted for everyone to see. Being pregnant changed her perspective on everything. Being the only sober one in a group of people partying lets you see everything clearly. Whenever he was briefly in town and they would go out with friends, she would want to leave early if she was tired or her feet hurt. Corey wasn't tuned in to what she needed. Seeing him drunk and reckless and mean while she was sober was eye-opening. She wouldn't say anything because she didn't want to cause a fight with a drunk man. This would make him even angrier and he would even become aggressive to his friends. He then wouldn't remember any of it the next day. Convenient. I hate when people say they don't remember anything the next day. Like, come on now. She prepared herself mentally to have to raise this baby alone. She was seeing that Corey couldn't be there when she needed him. She ended up finding a beautiful house. When she told Corey he wasn't engaged and made no move to participate in the purchase. So she bought it herself with her grandpa as her mortgage co-signer. She felt so proud of herself. I love I love this like to 
be pregnant and to I know she's in a, a different position like she's a celebrity she has more money than the average person but for her to decide okay this man is not going to be there for me so I'm going to have to purchase this house myself because he's not engaging I'm doing all the work like I just think that's amazing and I'm really proud of her for doing that because it would have been so easy to just get him to co-sign on the mortgage even though he wasn't that engaged but I feel like this was kind of mommy Audrina coming out I feel like you know she says herself that she changed once she had this baby and like I really think this is kind of the start of it but yeah that is amazing and I always say to women um, and this is in any type of relationship and not just like abused women I always say have your own bank account have your own expenses you know if your name is on the mortgage find out if there's a way that you can get out you're not losing money all of this stuff like um, don't just share your finances willy-nilly with your partner husband whoever I just don't think it's a good idea and I learned that lesson the hard way while she had stepped back from hosting and appearances, Audrina continued working on her swimwear line called Prey Swim. She also threw herself into planning the wedding. They decided to get married in Hawaii, which was halfway between their two families. It's clear now that she was looking for distractions and wanted to stay busy. She didn't want to sit still with her feelings. When the house was finally ready, she was eager to get in and get settled. She was 37 weeks pregnant and ready to nest before it was time for, for, for the baby's arrival. The weekend of their move, Corey announced that he was going to Vegas with a few of his friends. The baby was due in a week or two, which meant really that she could come at any time. As gently as possible, she told him no. She needed him here. He couldn't. She couldn't unpack all by herself. And could he please just stay to make sure he would be there when the baby came? He didn't think it was a big deal. He said they'd get to it next week and so off he went. She didn't hear from him for a few days. She found out he was up all night partying hard and going to strip clubs. And then he missed his flight home. Her family had to help her with unpacking the house. Like, can you even imagine? You're two weeks away from giving birth. You could give birth technically any day now. And your fiancé just decides, oh yeah, I'm just going to go to Vegas there with the boys for a few days. Like, really? That's insane to me. Like, that is just insane to me. Her mother was in the front yard when she saw a truck pull up with Corey in the passenger seat. As soon as he saw her, they kept driving. Audrina was so livid she could hardly breathe. When he finally got home, she told him she couldn't deal with this level of stress. It wasn't good for her or for the baby. He left and stayed at a friend's house. In the days leading up to her due date, there was concern that the baby was getting so big her head wasn't turning down, so they scheduled a C-section for June 21st, a week before her due date. Then they found out last minute that Corey had to be in San Francisco doing a BMX photo shoot for a couple of days, so they had to reschedule to June 24th, which meant three more days of discomfort and nerves for Audrina. So not only did this man just go on a little boy's holiday to Vegas, she then schedules her C-section... And he's like, oh, no, actually, sorry, I got to travel for work for a few days. So can you just change the date there? Like, this is the birth of your child. Oh, my God. Like, I swear to God, like, men have it so bloody easy. Like, oh, my God, this infuriates me. So 
Her baby, Kira Max, was born on Friday, June 24th. Audrina knew her life had changed forever. Corey was totally in love with Kira. He was supportive, engaged and excited. He was a proud father and invited all his friends to visit. He FaceTimed his family in Australia to show her off. When they got home, her grandma Betty stayed with her to help and it was incredible having her there. Her grandpa Max had died a few months earlier and it felt like they needed each other. The second week, she went to her house, to her grandmother's house as Corey was travelling again. She was upset about him leaving only a week after Kira's birth, but she understood the importance of his career. For the first time, his absence didn't bother her as much. This is such an important turn. Something in her had started to change. It took only a few months before Corey caught on to the shift. He often said Audrina didn't give him enough time or attention. As a result, even when he was home, he was often hanging and drinking with friends. It was fine with Audrina as she was used to doing it on her own. It was just her and Kira. I find it really interesting here when she says that, you know, Corey eventually caught on to this shift in her, this change in her. I remember that happening for me too with my abuser. I had, um, it was probably like a few months into when I got my first like proper, like real job, I would say here. Um, and, you know, I was working with people my age and people a bit younger and I was starting to go out more and I was making more friends and I kind of suddenly didn't really care so much about what was happening at home obviously it was still a huge stress but I was a little bit more carefree than I had been I was out of the house more and he definitely noticed the shift and he would say to me oh you've changed and like you know saying that like I was being different and I wasn't being myself and all of this stuff and he would say to like other people as well his friends and my friends and it's just because it's that first time when they feel like they're losing a little bit of control over you and obviously that is the complete opposite of what they want. Audrina knew she wanted their wedding to be a boho beachy fairy tale. She realises now she was maybe fantasising that the wedding would heal the rifts of her relationship. They had a block of rooms at the resort where their family and friends stayed. It was the first time the families would be meeting so they wanted to make it a week-long event. Corey's friends rented a beach house a little farther away and Corey spent most of his time there. Her biggest concern was keeping the paparazzi away. She had even asked the venue staff and wedding planner to sign NDAs. She thought he had succeeded she had succeeded until she saw pictures in the tabloids before she'd even seen her own photographer's pictures. It was frustrating and violating, but she was just glad she didn't know what was happening at the time. She later found out it was some of Corey's friends that had sold the address to a paparazzi who had then climbed up the side of the mountain to take his pictures. Despite her best efforts, the families didn't seem to bond. At the rehearsal dinner, both families sat on opposite sides and there was little conversation. There also seemed to be conflict over Kira, who had obviously grown up close to Audrina's family and was very comfortable and happy with her parents and siblings. She was a little more hesitant with Corey's family. They were all strangers to her. It was sweet to see how much they loved her, but she didn't want to risk a breakdown, and at one point she whisked her away to her room for a quick reset. After the rehearsal, Audrina's mother took Kira back to the hotel and Audrina joined Corey and their friends at their house. After a drink or two, she left to get Kira and head back to the hotel room. Corey stayed with his friends and kept the party going. Casey stayed with her and asked her how she was feeling. She was feeling uneasy. Corey and his friends seemed to be treating the wedding like an excuse to party rather than a celebration of love and unity. They had even reached a breaking point in the weeks before the wedding and had nearly cancelled. 
Corey had acted very strangely when she was looking at houses in Orange County while pregnant and very standoffish when she found the house she wanted. It seemed like he had no interest in buying the house together. There was something different about their priorities and their history together had made her ask for a prenup. They went to spend... Oh, sorry. They went to speak to an attorney about it and Corey didn't want to sign. He was furious, saying it meant that she didn't trust him and if there was no trust, why were they getting married? She said she couldn't marry him if she didn't sign it. He said he didn't give a fuck and to cancel that it wasn't his money. It was very hurtful and she broke down crying, but because it was also Kira's future at stake and not just hers, she stood firm. Eventually, he apologised and signed. Casey could see Audrina wasn't the happy bride, eager to marry the man of her dreams. She saw how exhausted and sad and beaten down she was. She told her she didn't have to do this, that she could pack her bags and her mom and dad would handle the rest. The offer was tempting, but she couldn't do it to their guests. She knew how much her parents had paid and how much planning had gone into it. She also felt how much her family had wanted it to work and build a family with Kira. She had to try and make it work before she walked away. After she did divorce him, she found out how many of her friends and family wanted to stop her and tell her it was a mistake, but they also wanted to support her and so they went along with the wedding. That's like a really scary feeling like to be uneasy the night before your wedding and about wanting to marry your fiance and then to have like someone as close to you as your sister give you an opportunity to call it off because they can see in you that you don't seem happy um I had a similar situation actually happen to a family member which I found out about a few years ago um I was a child at the time so I didn't know what was happening but I think about that sometimes and I just like want to reach out and like reach back into the past and just be like no like don't do it and it was similar reasons where it was like no I can't let all these people down they've like bought us gifts and they've bought like their outfits to the wedding they've taken time off work and you're just like that doesn't matter this is your life like put yourself first always put yourself first. The morning of the wedding, she woke up feeling relaxed. She felt she was on autopilot, playing the character of Audrina, where the scene called for a happy, smiling bride. She thinks Corey was so happy to spend time with his family and friends that he didn't even notice she was off. Hearing Kira's babbling in the front row of the wedding ceremony was the only thing that kept her steady. This was all for her. Later, her sister Sam told her it was like she had left her body entirely that day. She saw behind her smile that she was robotic. She had no sparkle or soul in her eyes. They did have fun that day, but it's heartbreaking for her now to look back on it. One morning, a while after the wedding, she had to go to the office. She asked Corey to watch Kira, but he said he wanted to go surfing with his friends, which he did every single day. She tried to smile since his parents were still staying with them. She told him she just needed an hour to focus on work and she would come right back, but he refused, saying his plans were just as important. His mom eventually offered to watch her. She was frustrated with him as always, but also hoped his mother had seen a glimpse of his behaviour and could maybe talk to him. After his family left, they were all out of distractions. Corey was either completely absent or too present, hovering over her and needing to control everything. He would interrogate her and made seeing friends a miserable experience, so she started staying home more. It seemed easier to make him happy than to go on a girl's night and make him angry. She didn't want anyone to know how he treated her. She was always on guard and pretending everything was fine. She also didn't know if anyone be would believe her. Everyone saw him as this charming, good-looking, happy guy. She was afraid if they heard how much she was struggling, they'd think she was the problem and not him. 
Eventually, even she wondered if she was the problem. She started to think what it would be like for Kira growing up and seeing and hearing her father treat her mother like this. What effect would that have on the way she saw herself when she started to date? As much as she wanted to see her daughter safe in her father's arms, she found herself trusting Corey less and less with her. She was so fragile still and she often brought her with her wherever she went, even to dinner with friends. One thing that led to this was before the wedding when her sisters planned a surprise bachelorette in Vegas for her. They had worked out with Corey in advance to take her away for the night. While she was gone, she saw videos on several of Corey's friends' Instagrams and Snapchats that they were at their house being rowdy and drinking, playing music loudly. His friend was running around the kitchen naked. She called Corey and could barely hear him over the noise. She asked where Kira was and why he had friends over getting wasted. He told her she was asleep upstairs, but she worried he didn't have the monitor or that he would be too out of it if she needed something and no one would be able to take care of her. He told her she was overreacting. She was livid and couldn't sleep a wink. When she got home, she noticed throw-up stains in Kira's bassinet. She had clearly thrown up and just lay in it. She yelled at Corey for not watching her, that she could have choked. He didn't seem concerned and that was one of the last moments she left him alone with her. Like, imagine not even feeling safe enough to leave your baby with their dad and imagine you're a father and you've got your baby in the house and you're inviting your friends over you're partying your friends are running around naked you've got music blaring and god only knows what else going on and then just leaving your baby in her bassinet to just throw up all over herself like oh my god that's just i can't even imagine i i don't even understand how audrina was able to stay away from the house that night how she didn't like drive back walk back like anything like I just I really feel for her in that moment Audrina never relied on him when it came to anything to do with Kira he would always let her down anytime he was in a bad mood or he was coming home from a trip she would pack Kira up and go to her parents house for a few days it was happening more and more but she still didn't tell them what was going on even though they had to have expected suspected something some nights Corey would come home at 3 or 4 a.m. drunk and furious and yelling and accusing her of cheating. There were good days when he was home and present and they would take long walks together as a family. He would cook while she fed Kira. These days made her stay for every one of the bad days. In the spring of 2017, she started to go to therapy. She was starting to realise she had to get out. During a few productive talks, she told Corey she wasn't happy and he said the same. He said he wasn't getting enough attention or what he needed from her. He agreed to go to couples therapy. They went a few times, but the counsellor gave them some strange advice. He said that whenever she walked out of the room when Corey was angry and yelling, that she was actually emotionally abusing him by not allowing him to say his piece. That she should stay and engage. She couldn't believe it. I, ca I can't believe that either. Corey pretended to be receptive in therapy, but after they left, he would use what she had said to hurt her because now he knew all of her insecurities after she'd opened up so much in therapy. He would use things she said in later arguments, knowing it would hurt her the most. And this is something I remember so well too, like from things that I would have opened up to my ex about in the really early days of our relationship when everything was great. And it's amazing, like he stored all of these things, these little things in his head. It could be the smallest thing or the biggest thing. And like years later, we just suddenly burst out with it in an argument and use it in a way to turn it against me. And it was just the wildest thing. And you're just sitting there like, first of all, you remember that? 
you not only remember that I told you that years ago but you're also now using it against me like it's the most bizarre 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 thing and this just to me goes to show that like this isn't just them not being able to control themselves or you know going through bad patches in their lives or whatever like this is deeply 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 calculated like the fact that you're storing something in your head that somebody tells you in order to use it against that person in the future like that's terrifying to me Corey was out of the house more and more she felt he was acting out to get her attention there was never any resolution when they argued and then she stopped arguing she was defeated she was numb and isolated and depressed she was losing weight because of the stress she would feel like she was gagging and her body was rejecting even chewing she couldn't keep anything down she felt lifeless she didn't say much to her parents at first because she was humiliated but they knew something wasn't right due to the frequency of her visits she would sometimes stay with them for a week or two she knew she couldn't keep it up much longer almost a year earlier Corey was coming down from a big party weekend which meant following her around the house yelling and accusing her of cheating on him with her trainer she went into Kira's room and locked the door to try and distract herself, but she couldn't hold it in and the fear and sadness burst through. She cried but tried to keep it quiet. Kira reached over to pat her back. Her heart broke. She was so little, but it was only a matter of time before Kira would begin to understand what was happening. Her close friends started asking if she was okay. They were noticing her weight loss and sunken eyes from lack of sleep. She didn't want to talk about it. She was embarrassed to be in that position. Corey went to have a talk with her dad where he cried and said he wanted to make things work but by that point he was who he was. He could only try for a week or so before spiralling back. Finally she opened up to her parents. She was too ashamed to tell them exactly what he was saying to her or how she was feeling. She kept it simple and said she was unhappy and that he was mean and would wake her up to yell at her. When she let her mother read what he had texted her one time she got very upset. After the shock wore off she was furious. Both of her parents told her to walk away and insisted on helping out with Kira while she figured out her next step. Um, so also what she says here about like him saying that like he really wants to make it work and then, you know, they would go through phases where he would be trying for a week to be okay and then he would go spiraling back. That really is the abuser. It's another way of them to manipulate you. So like when they're saying that okay like it's me I'm wrong like I need to do better and I really want you and whatever they're seeing that as you know something has gotten to that point where you yourself as a victim have said okay I've had enough this really needs to stop now and they probably see oh no she's slipping away she's starting to see through me and like whatever so this is their kind of effort to pull you back in see no look I'm trying I'm doing my best I'm doing my hardest and then they suck you back in and then suddenly they go back again to their old ways so it's just another form of manipulation in July 2017 she was invited to Miami's swim week to celebrate prey swim she had left Kira with Corey as it was just a short three-day trip and she was 13 months old now it ended up being a huge turning point in their relationship she was getting frequent texts from him complaining that she hadn't taken him and Kira on the trip. Her team went out to dinner and posted a cheers moment on Instagram and Corey immediately accused her of partying instead of working. She called him after dinner to check on Kira and he didn't answer. A few hours later, he FaceTimed her from a friend's barbecue. It was dark outside and she could hear lots of people. When she asked where Kira was, he said, don't worry about it and hung up on her. 
She kept calling and texting, but he wouldn't answer. She was freaking out and stayed up most of the night. She couldn't focus on the show the next day. He was sending her cruel and angry messages. He told her she needed to get home now, accused her of cheating and even said he would kill himself. She was really worried for Kira and Cora wouldn't give her an update on her, so she called her dad. Her dad immediately called Corey and he acted completely normal, saying she was fine. While he was on the phone, he was texting Audrina with a very different tone. She told her publicist what was going on and that she had to get home. She told her to smile and talk about Prey Swim for a few minutes and then after that they would figure it out. The next morning, she finally got an update. Kira was coming down with a cold and he sent her a video of her coughing badly. He said she was pretty sick and he was worried and she told him to go to the doctor. As soon as she got home, she took her to the doctor herself. She needed a nebulizer for the next few weeks. After that, she always took Kira with her, no exceptions. Can you imagine how terrifying that is to like call your partner who's taking care of your baby they're at a barbecue it's dark outside it's loud and then he won't let you speak to your daughter he won't tell you where she is if she's okay and then you end up the next day getting a video of her coughing she's obviously really sick he's not taking her to the doctor like that has to be so scary the last day of Audrina's marriage started like any other she was getting ready to head to work and was taking a now 14 month old Kira with her she was in the bathroom getting her things together while holding Kira. Corey had slept on the couch after staying out all night partying. She had gotten used to being woken up in the middle of the night to him yelling abuse at her. The night before had been one of those nights. He had shaken her awake, yelling at her as her heart pounded. I gotta tell you, it is so startling to be, first of all, to be woken unexpectedly out of your sleep. But imagine like waking up and you know that moment where you're still kind of confused is it day is it night what's going on am I dreaming am I awake and someone is yelling and screaming abuse in your face like I can't even begin to tell you how startling and terrifying that is Audrina had found out about another incident of him cheating she hadn't even really cared but had confronted him about it anyway so when he woke her up he was demanding to be told who had told her he had cheated she was almost packed up for the day when Corey burst through the door of the bedroom. She froze. He was yelling as he came into the bathroom, again demanding to be told who had told her about the cheating. He got closer and closer to her, the angrier he, angrier he grew. He squared his shoulders and puffed out his chest, his eyes looking intense. She stayed completely still and in a quiet voice she calmly asked him not to do this in front of Kira. She said she didn't care about the cheating and wasn't mad. So she, she suggested taking Kira to her parents so they could talk. Her sole focus was getting Kira out of the room. Before she could get to the door, he slammed it, blocking her exit. She could feel her heart beating in her ears. She again said she didn't want Kira to see this and to please let her drop her to her parents' house. He grabbed the bag she'd been packing and shook everything out onto the floor. She took another step toward the door and he took a step toward her. Then he put a hand on both of her shoulders and pushed her back. She stumbled backwards and lost her breath with the shock. She held Kira tight so she wouldn't fall. Kira was screaming in terror and Audrina shook as she tried to calm her daughter. Corey shifted and stopped yelling. Maybe he realised he'd gone too far and he started punching himself in the head which only made Kira scream even louder. Audrina couldn't stop the tears from streaming down her face. Corey finally crumpled, exhausted and silent. She saw her opportunity and ran into Kira's room locking the door. She heard Corey compounding down the stairs. She didn't know what to do. She was still afraid of people finding out what was happening. She was ashamed and sad. She also thought about the media finding out, but she pushed it aside and focused on their immediate safety. 
She called her dad and told him what had happened. He told her to hang up and call the police. She was shocked. Hearing those words from her dad, who she trusted, was gut-wrenching. Did she really feel unsafe enough to call the police? She wasn't sure where Corey was and that unnerved her. So imagine like you are in this situation. You first of all have no idea that what you're suffering from is abuse. And then someone you trust, like your parent, tells you to call the cops. While it's validating, it's also extremely scary because you question yourself and you're like, wait, call the cops? Like, yeah, I'm scared and like... I've just been physically abused but call the cops like that's pushing it too far isn't that for people who are being like beaten up and like serious things like that like you never think that that's your situation so then to hear it from somebody who you trust like that like her hearing it from her father is so disorienting because you're just like wait are they exaggerating what's happening and you just can't like you can't get your thoughts together because it's just so unbelievable that you're even finding yourself in a position where you need to call the cops on your husband and your baby's father because you're scared of them. It's so crazy. She quietly opened the door and Corey was there in the hallway. When he saw her, he ran back down the stairs, grabbed a metal vase and held it to his head. He screamed that he was going to stand in the street and bash in his head so everyone could see it was Audrina's fault because she was going to leave him. Audrina couldn't believe what she was seeing. Then he switched again and said he was going to spend every moment until he died working to destroy her. She begged him again not to do this in front of the, their daughter, but he was getting angrier and more out of control. He walked outside and she followed him. He got in his truck, looked at her and said, just know that this is all your fault and drove away. Did he mean he was going to hurt himself? She felt sick. She waited for her family to come over. She thought about how much worse the last few months had gotten. The name-calling, bitch, cunt, messy, lazy woman, a fuck-up who's used by everyone, has no real friends. She had slowly started to believe it. She had felt herself slipping away. Having no bruises or cuts made it easier to deny what was happening. She would try to blame his partying and not him. She justified and rationalised his behaviour. Now things were much worse. She immediately felt safe when her dad walked in and hugged her. She knew he would fix everything like he had when she was little. She ended up recovering from that morning and before long, Corey was back at home. They had parallel but separate lives that sometimes intersected. A few weeks later, she ended up calling the police again. She knew then that there would be no turning back. When the two cops showed up, she told them what happened. It was terrifying to open up, but she also felt a weight lift off her. Now, I've tried to find what this incident was. She doesn't specify it in her book. She doesn't talk about it anywhere that I could find. I tried to do Google searches. I was looking for anywhere that it was mentioned and she doesn't mention it anywhere. So I have no idea what got to that point where she called the cops herself. Um, but I can only imagine that it was pretty bad. She stayed with her parents for the next few weeks, with Corey showing up several times begging her to come home. But this time she knew there was no going back. But, as is often in these cases, she was just the, it was just the beginning. A few weeks later, she had to appear in a panel to promote her swimwear. She was really looking forward to it until Corey turned up to the event and came backstage to confront her right as she was about to walk on. She was both terrified and mortified. Suddenly, after months of avoiding taking care of her, he wanted Kira. He yelled at her and asked her where his daughter was, demanding to see her and calling Audrina names. 
She felt out of her body during the panel, knowing Corey was standing in the crowd watching her while texting her all kinds of things. It moved her to quickly file a restraining order and to file for divorce. To complicate things even more, Corey had still been living in her house while she was staying with her parents. She could not get him out of there. And then his parents flew out and stayed with him also at the house. She later found out he went through all of her things, including her jewellery and paperwork, even journals she'd been writing to help her cope with the abuse. He ripped out all of the pages. She was able to go back a few times with a police escort to get things for Kira and herself. As violated as she felt, she was just glad not to be in that house with him anymore. She ended up having to pay him off to get him out. She borrowed $35,000 from her family to do so. Even with the restraining order, she was still afraid of what he might do. Her biggest fear was not being able to keep her daughter safe. He had taken her birth certificate from the house and she was terrified of him getting a passport and taking her away to Australia. She was also sad thinking of Kira having to deal with the ramifications of their marriage for the rest of her life. When she moved back in, she found a letter Corey had written her. He said he never thought their relationship would come to this, that he loved her and Kira and remembered their fond moments in their house. It was clear he was trying to win her back. It portrayed him as a heartbroken victim and her as the person who broke up their family. For a second, the last ditch effort of manipulation almost worked. Audrina put the house on the market as she couldn't bear to stay there. It sold quickly and she lived with her parents for the next six months while looking for a new place. She focused on trying to heal. Eventually, she moved to Newport Beach where she stayed for a year. As part of their divorce, Corey had been giving visitation with Kira twice a week for a few hours. The handoffs took place at the police station because of the restraining order. It was the hardest thing she ever had to do to give Kira over to him the first time. Her whole body would shake and she could hardly breathe. She was glad his parents were there to help him and Kira was always happy when his mother was around. But when his parents weren't there, Kira would be with him and his girlfriend of the week. She had friends keeping her updated on his posts on social media with Kira because he had her blocked. She would get pictures of Kira sitting on some random girl's lap, which never sat right with her. Once she filed the paperwork, everything went public. She received a lot of support from fans, which meant a lot to her. She tried to keep quiet and not give interviews. Paparazzi sat outside her parents' house for weeks, making it hard for her to leave. She would have to figure out ways to sneak out. Around this time, The Hills was being rebooted, which Audrina was reluctant to be a part of, as she felt she had left that part of her life behind. But after some thought, she felt she wanted to share with the viewers how different she was now and realised she had a lot to say. She tried her best to be happy and engage with the cast, but she was still raw and shaken from what was happening in her personal life. She had never imagined being a single divorced mother at 35. She looks back on the first episodes now and finds it hard to even recognise herself as she was at the darkest and hardest point of her life. And I will second this, like... People would think that once you get out of the relationship, it's fine and great and you can move on and it's done and it's over. And it is not like the hardest points in your life are the months and even years after. It takes so long to recover from something like that because you're being in beginning to process that, oh, my God, I was actually abused. And then you're trying to get used to that. And then you're trying to understand why you stayed and all of this and it's oh my god I would never want to ever go back to those years after I left it was truly awful Audrina got reacquainted with Justin on the show she hadn't seen him for years but he had reached out to see how she was after her divorce he was also worried about Kira having been a child of divorce himself Ryan Cabrera had also reached out to her and they started talking again 
At the end of 2018, the cast went to Santa Barbara for Heidi and Spencer's vow renewal when Audrina got an email that her divorce had been finalised. She was relieved and also deeply sad. What Audrina has been through has made her look at her life differently and really appreciate what she has. She feels like she will never again not trust her instincts. She spent time trying to understand Corey and what caused his behaviour, but she realised she would never know and stopped trying to rationalise his unforgivable behaviour. She'd wanted to love him and be loved by him and for her daughter to have everything she deserved. That was why she stayed. She advises to not ignore red flags, that words and actions are how people show you who you are. The truth is, she says, a relationship isn't going to solve your problems. Some more things she has learned are to listen to your instincts, let go of fear, stop caring what other people think, dream big, hold your power, stay focused and surround yourself with the right people. So that is it guys. That is Audrina Patrick's story. I hope that you enjoy that. I hope that you learned some things from it. Um, once again, reach out to me if you need any help, advice, questions, anything like that. Um, my Instagram is at mandagogs, again, links in bio and thehotline.org. Once again, if you need any help. And I also want to shout out, I don't know who this person is, but the other week I had under, so under each uh, episode on Spotify, there's a little question box and it's just like your thoughts in the episode, whatever. So I had someone, uh, a listener reach out to me and said on several episodes, they really enjoyed the podcast, which I appreciated, but they also informed me that some of the audio was missing from several of the episodes. So I went back and I fixed the audio. I don't know what the issue was. It was only on certain episodes. So if you had that trouble, I'm really, really sorry. And if that person is listening, you know who you are. I appreciate you so much. And if you reach out to me on Instagram, um, or I think you can probably get my email through my um my link as well in my bio. If you can reach out to me at all, I would love to uh send you a personal uh thank you and maybe send you a little gift because I really appreciate that and I never would have known otherwise. Um so thank you so much for that. Any feedback is always 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 helpful to me helpful to me. So um thanks once again guys. I appreciate um all your support and for being so patient while I got my life together and I'm gonna try and release so the really episodes are gonna be released from now on every not every Tuesday, but it's going to be Tuesdays and I'm going to aim for every two weeks. Um, so hopefully we'll get two episodes out a month. I'm going to really try and stick to the schedule now. The good thing about being ill and being at home is I have a bunch of episodes written up and ready to go. So all I have to do is start recording them. So I'm hoping to get those out to you guys. And thank you so much for listening. I love and appreciate you so, so much. Goodbye and see you next time. <laughs>